Today is February 21st, and you are listening to the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake, and we're going to jump in today with our Old Testament reading of Leviticus chapter 11, verse 1 through chapter 12, verse 8. And as always, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. This is Leviticus chapter 11, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Of all the land animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat any animal that has completely split hooves and chews the cud. You may not, however, eat the following animals that have split hooves or that chew the cud, but not both. The camel chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The hare chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The pig has evenly split hooves, but does not chew the cud, so it is unclean. You may not eat the meat of these animals or even touch their carcasses. They are ceremonially unclean for you. Of all the marine animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat anything from the water if it has both fins and scales, whether taken from salt water or from streams. But you must never eat animals from the sea or from rivers that do not have both fins and scales. They are detestable to you. This applied both to little creatures that live in the shallow water and to all creatures that live in deep water. They will always be detestable to you. You must never eat their meat or even touch their dead bodies. Any marine animal that does not have both fins and scales is detestable to you. These are the birds that are detestable to you. You must never eat them. The griffin vulture, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, falcons of all kinds, ravens of all kinds, the eagle owl, the short-eared owl, the seagull, hawks of all kinds, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the barn owl, the desert owl, the Egyptian vulture, the stork, herons of all kinds, the hoopoe, and the bat. You must not eat winged insects that walk along the ground. They are detestable to you. You may, however, eat winged insects that walk along the ground and have jointed legs so that they can jump. The insects you are permitted to eat include all kinds of locusts, bald locusts, crickets, and grasshoppers. All other winged insects that walk along the ground are detestable to you. That's disgusting. To me, all insects are detestable. But to the ancient Israelites, they could eat some of them, I guess, if they wanted to. (laughs) Anyways, continuing on. The following creatures will make you ceremonially unclean. If any of you touch their carcasses, you will be defiled until evening. If you pick up their carcasses, you must wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. Any animal that has split hooves that are not evenly divided or that does not chew the cud is unclean for you. If you touch the carcass of any such animal, you will be defiled. Of the animals that walk on all fours, those that have paws are unclean. If you touch the carcass of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If you pick up its carcass, you must wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. These animals are unclean for you. Of the small animals that scurry along the ground, these are unclean for you. The mole rat, the rat, large lizards of all kinds, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the common lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. All these small animals are unclean for you. If any of you touch the dead body of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If such an animal dies and falls on something, that object will be unclean. This is true whether the object is made of wood, cloth, leather, or burlap. Whatever its use, you must dip it in water, and it will remain defiled until evening. After that, it will be ceremonially clean, and you may be used again. If such an animal falls into a clay pot, everything in the pot will be defiled, and the 
pot must be smashed. If the water from such a container spills on any food, the food will be defiled, and any beverage in such a container will be defiled. Any object on which the carcass of such an animal falls will be defiled. If it is an oven or hearth, it must be destroyed, for it is defiled, and you must treat it accordingly. However, if the carcass of such an animal falls into a spring or cistern, the water will still be clean. But anyone who touches the carcass will be defiled. If the carcass falls on seed grain to be planted in the field, the seed will still be considered clean. But if the seed is wet when the carcass falls on it, the seed will be defiled. If any animal you are permitted to eat dies and you touch its carcass, you will be defiled until evening. If you eat any of its meat or carry its carcass, you must wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. All small animals that scurry along the ground are detestable and you might must never eat them. This includes all animals that slither along their bellies, as well as those with four legs and those with many feet. All such animals that scurry along the ground are detestable, and you must never eat them. Do not defile yourselves by touching them. You must not make yourself ceremonially unclean because of them. For I am the Lord your God. You must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. So do not defile yourselves with any of these small animals that scurry along the ground. For I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy because I am holy. These are the instructions regarding land animals, birds, marine creatures, and animals that scurry along the ground. By these instructions, you will know what is unclean and clean, and which animals may be eaten and which may not be eaten. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. By the way, we are in chapter 12 now. If a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. On the eighth day, the boy's foreskin must be circumcised. After waiting 33 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. During this time of purification, she must not touch anything that is set apart as holy. She must not enter the sanctuary until her time of purification is over. If a woman gives birth to a daughter, she will be ceremonially unclean for two weeks, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. After waiting 66 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. When the time of purification is completed for either a son or a daughter, the woman must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a purification offering. She must bring her offerings to the priest. At the entrance of the tabernacle, the priest will then present them to the Lord to purify her. Then she will be ceremonially clean again after her bleeding at childbirth. These are the instructions for a woman after the birth of a son or a daughter. If a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other for the purification offering. The priest will sacrifice them to purify her and she will be ceremonially clean. That concludes our Old Testament reading. And you may be wondering, these rules are weird. What, what is the point of these as we get into um, really the, the finer details like the, the food they could eat and, and women and their menstrual periods and stuff. And you got to remember all of this is God creating a new society that they are to be set apart and holy, different. By the way, as Christians, New Testament Christians, we are to be set apart and different too. Uh, not necessarily in the way and the things that we eat. Um, like this is at the, the hand level, I would say. This is actual practical. This is what we're doing. And the Levitical uh, law called for people to be different in the way that they ate and the way that they... Um, handled uh, certain uh, things such as tattoos and, and, and balding and what, and we'll get into all of that fun stuff and, and I'll try to explain it along the way but it was all to set them apart from the other nations that were around them. They were to be different and Christians are to be different as well because we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We 
we now no longer live for ourselves. We live as if Christ were in us because he is his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us and, and leads us in the ways of Christ. And uh, that, that is repentance. Uh, Jesus comes, he dies for our sins, uh, rises again, and invites us into new life. And uh, that, that is, Jesus, you cannot separate Jesus dying for your sins and the new life he offers you. You either repent, walk away from your way of life and into his way of life, uh, and trust in him, or you don't. Uh, the two go hand in hand. It's repent and believe. And we see uh, even here that that's always been the way. God makes a way to purify you, but you live within his way of life uh, because it, it leads to life and you're saying something to the world around you about who our God is. Now, moving into our New Testament, Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43 will be the reading today. Verse 21, Mark chapter 5. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. and Over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so... She came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once the power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples looked at him and said, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. The frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Why would she be frightened? Well, think about it. We're, we're reading in Leviticus uh, about bleeding, and bleeding uh, is a sign of um, uncleanness, and uh, people who had uncontrollable bleeding were, were sent out away from the community, and they're unclean. And Anybody who's unclean that touches somebody who's clean has now made the clean person unclean. Uh, and so they would have to go through a whole process of offerings and, and purification to be made clean again. So it was a big deal. If somebody who was unclean touched you. I mean, that, 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 was, um, you know, that, that wasn't very uh, kind, I guess we could say. You know, it, was, it was a big deal. Um, it'd, be, it'd be like somebody uh, you know, at the hospital coughing on you and then you having to go back out and, and, and restart the purification process so you could go back in to the hospital. I don't know. That doesn't even really make sense. But you get what I'm saying. Uh, and so she's she's terrified, and Jesus says, "Who touched me? Who did that?" And she finally comes and confesses, and you know she's maybe expecting Jesus to to uh, be mad at her or um, you know say how how irresponsible of you. But look at what he says. And it says, "Annie said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over." See how Jesus fulfills the law and turns it on its head. The law says that if the unclean touches the clean, the clean has been made unclean. But Jesus says. That if you come to me and you are unclean, I will make you clean. Beautiful for those of us who desperately need his purification. We reach out to him and we don't make him unclean. He makes us clean. He makes us right with God. Continuing on. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no trouble. No, no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this 
commotion and weeping. The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where she was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talith Como, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. That concludes our New Testament reading. Moving into our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. And finally, we will be reading Psalm 38 today, and uh, it's a bit of a longer reading today, so I'm just going to read the whole thing and pray at the end. But as always, I'd encourage you to stop as you feel led and pray through this psalm. Don't rush through it. Psalm 38, a psalm of David asking God to remember him. Verse 1. O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly. My strength fails and I am going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. Meanwhile, my enemies lay traps to kill me. Those who wish me harm make plans to ruin me. All day long they plan their treachery. But I am deaf to all their threats. I am silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing, and I make no reply. For I am waiting for you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord. I prayed, don't let my enemies gloat over me or rejoice at my downfall. I am on the verge of collapse, facing constant pain. But I confess my sins. I am deeply sorry for what I have done. I have many aggressive enemies. They hate me without reason. They repay me evil for good. And oppose me for pursuing good. Do not abandon me, O Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. Lord, thank you that you came to save us. You didn't just stay far off. You came, took on flesh, lived the life I could not live, and then on the cross of Calvary bore my guilt and my sin that was too much for me to bear. And through rising again, On the third day, you invite me into this new life. And as I repent and I follow you in all of life, Lord, I find grace after grace, day after day. And I no longer have to live under the yoke of condemnation and guilt. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that some listening to me for the very first time possibly would place their trust in you and repent from their life into your life. And for those of us who are Christ followers, would you give us the faith to walk another day and another step in your new life that you offer us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today, friends. Uh, I am so grateful for each of you who take time to listen to this podcast. And uh, when I pray, I'm honestly praying for you. I hope that you know that. And uh, hope that today's reading encouraged you. Hope to see you back here tomorrow for another day of reading through the Bible together.